0: If you guys would open up your Bibles, we're going to, the the main study is going to come from Genesis 13, but if you guys would open up to Genesis 12, we're going to start there. So Genesis chapter 12, when you get it, say, got it. That's them phone people. They got it quick. All right. (laughs) Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. I thank you, God, for uh, just another opportunity to gather. I thank you for that time of praise and worship, Lord, and uh, you are you are so deserving and worthy of, of every, every worship, Lord, every, everything that would be lifted up to you. And right now, this time, God, we commit this time to you. We give you our undivided attention, Lord. God, we believe that your word is living and powerful and that you desire to speak to us through it today. God, I pray for each person. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is wanting to speak to us about today. Give us ears to hear it, but hearts to receive it, that our lives might be obedient to what you tell us today. And so, God, um, I pray you meet us in this time as only you can. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. "Amen." All right. Well, uh, the title for the message today is "When God Guides," and uh, we're going to look at the life of Abram and kind of contrast it to the life of Lot. And we're going to see how that the Lord led Abram. We're going to see uh, Lot's going to kind of give us an example of what not to do. And I want to just say this up front that. Um, if you're here, you're a believer. You know Jesus. You've given your life to Christ at some point in, in time. You know, once we give our lives to the Lord, there's a work that God wants to do in us and through us as believers. Now we belong to Him. Now we're you know the Bible says that we no longer belong to ourselves; that we were purchased by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And so, everybody here that's done that, and for you, that's your reality. You've been purchased by the blood of Christ. You belong to Him. And the reason why we don't get saved and die on the spot is because God wants to use your life as a believer. There's things that he wants to do in you and with you and through you for his glory. And so like Abram, we need to be directed and guided by the Lord so that we don't waste this life and the opportunity that it has has with it. So uh, let's look at it, Genesis chapter 12 and um, look at verse one. It says, now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And so uh, first thing, as far as God, you know, directing us or guiding us that we'll see. First, it says that the Lord had said, right? This instruction had been given to Abram. If you do a timeline about 25 years earlier, God has spoke to him a long time ago. And it's been a long time coming for him to finally get moving with what God said. And look at what the Lord said to Abram. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I would just put this down, if you write notes, that when God guides, he he usually doesn't give us all the steps at once. He usually just gives us one step. And I want you to pay attention to how God spoke to him, because I know most of y'all don't want to get directed like this. God said, Abram, I want you to get out of your country, from your home, from your family, and go to a place that I will show you right? Most of us want to know where we're going. Amen. Is it just me? I want to know where I'm going, when I'm going to get there, what I'm going to get when I get there, and how long it's gonna take me to get there when I do. You know, I want all the steps and all the pieces. That's what I want. That's my flesh is comfortable in that place. And that's just typically not how God guides. And sometimes we're missing God because I want too many steps first. God's like, I want you to go there. Okay. Well then when I go there, what's going to happen? And you're sitting there waiting. And God's like, I'm not answering you. I said, go there, you know. And if you won't take a step of faith and go there, then you're just not gonna see God move in your life. And there are some Christians that have been in church their whole life and they have a very natural existence because they won't step out in faith enough to see God do something supernatural. And sometimes with the Lord, most of the time when God directs people, he tells us to do things that we can never do in our own strength anyway. So that as you start stepping out to do it, then he has to show up. And those are the people that get to experience God move among them. And I don't want to read my Bible and just, just hear this as somebody else's experience with the Lord There's some fairy tales. I want my own experience with the living God. Amen. And so that's the first step, right? When God directs us, you know, he doesn't give us all the steps. How many of you guys have planners? You guys have planners. You plan out everything organized. Right? Yeah. It's you guys. It's the organized folk that, that it, can come, it can be a challenge for people that like all the order. You know, I want all the pieces in line. It could be a challenge for people like that to get a word from the Lord where God just says, just do that. doesn't make sense. And I can just speak on my own behalf that there's so many times in my life where the thing that God told me to do, I tried to crunch the numbers and it didn't add up. But as I went ahead and did it, the Lord caught up to us. You know, it, it caught up afterwards. There was a time I have a son with autism. And my wife was working. My wife was a principal. So she was really making the majority of the money at the time. You know, we would get my little checks and we would save them up till we had four. You know, when we had four checks. Then it was worth going to the bank with my checks. But her once a month check would come and it was like, yeah, you know, now we now we rolling, you know. And when my son, we found that he had autism and everything, my, my wife really, I, I believed she was supposed to come home. And the Lord spoke to her that she was to come home and. We sat there and tried to crunch the numbers and figure out how it would work and it didn't work out. But we both said, we believe that this is what God wants us to do. So she put in her resignation and she came. And I can tell you within a month, the Lord moved on our behalf supernaturally to where it worked out. Um, You know, they paid her, almost like Moses' mother got paid to nurse him. They paid her to do in-home support for her own son. And then the, the church I was at, Knowing that they wasn't paying me enough, they called me in and said, hey, you know, what's going to happen when your wife go home? And they they actually gave me what would have amounted to three raises at once. And it just brought us all. But I'm just saying this. None of that happened until after we had resigned from her job and started moving forward. And so if you're here and the Lord has spoken and you're like, well, I'm waiting for I want to wait till I can see all the steps. Would you just take step number one and see what the Lord will do? Amen. So moving on. So God told him that then God gives him some amazing promises in verses two and three. Look at what the Lord promises him. God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Something else God does when he guides, many times God makes promises or God will give us a word or some, somehow he's encouraging us. This is what I'm going to do when you get where I'm taking you. Here's the challenge with that. God doesn't give Abram a time frame on these promises. God is, God is good about promising us he's gonna do something, but then we don't know when. And that becomes difficult. I wanna know when you're gonna do it. I wanna know when, Lord. I wanna, and and, and I've, I've had that struggle in my life where God has told me something showing me something he's going to do. And I'm looking for God to do it now. And it's years down the road, right? God told Abram something else. God said, Abram, you know, later on, he says, you're going to have descendants at the sand of the sea. You're going to have a gang of babies, gang of babies, babies on top of babies on top of babies. And I'm sure Abram, if, if I went somewhere and I got a prophetic word that, you know, you're going to have a, another kid, I would go home and tell my wife, Hey, the Lord has spoken. We, we got to go be about the father's business, you know, and, and make this baby, you know? So, I'm sure for him, there was a frustration in having this this promise that I'm gonna be the father of a nation of all these kids, but my wife is barren and she ain't having kids and we keep trying. It's not happening. And I think Sarah got tired, uh, like just distressed. And she just said, just just go into my handmaiden like all the other people do, you know? And, And Abram said, okay. And he went into her, his handmaiden. And that wasn't God's will, right? You can't help God out. You gotta wait. And nobody likes, that's like a Christian cuss word. That's the four-letter word we don't like is wait. And so if you're in a pattern where God has you waiting on him, uh, there's an acronym I love for wait. I got it from my brother and it's worship and intimate time. Because some people when they're waiting, they look so stressed out and so, and so much anxiety and just, this just, just, oh, you know, and, and if you got a, if God's not doing it yet, just let it be a time where you worship him and have intimate time with him. Let it be a time that's sweet with you and Jesus. Amen because you're not going to make it happen no faster by stressing out. So so don't do that. All right. Now everybody go to chapter 13. And this is our our main text today. Look at chapter 13, verse one. It says, then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had notice and Lot with him to the south. Now I believe that was a mistake because God had said in verse one of chapter 12, get out of your country and from your family. Lot is part of your family. He took Lot with them. And so I believe as I look at the story and I look at the bad decisions that Lot made, that Abram probably looked and said, that brother needs my help. I'm gonna just take him with me. But partial obedience is disobedience, amen? If you do most of what somebody said, if you do most of what God said, you have not done everything God has said. Remember Saul came back from the battle and God said, destroy all the Amalekites. And he destroyed most of the Amalekites, but he kept some and the king and some animals. And when he came back to Samuel, he said, oh, blessed the Lord. I've done all that God has said. He said. Samuel said, no, you didn't. What's the bleating of the sheep I hear? You lying? And then he got rebuked and corrected and he lost the kingdom on that. Partial obedience is disobedience. And you're gonna see in Abram's life that it holds up the move of God. God was intending to bless him, had already spoken what he wanted to do for him. But you're gonna see that God doesn't speak to Abram again or begin to move in his life significantly until Lot is gone, until Lot moves on. And so there are circumstances that bring that about. Look at verse two now. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been in the beginning between Bethel and Ai. And so in that culture, you judge or you wage your wealth out by your animals. If I brought you to my house in that culture and I wanted to show you I was balling, I would say, let me look at them oxen. You see all them oxen I got? Boy, your boy's doing all right. You know, the oxen would be, that's the sign of my wealth. In our culture today, it might be a a bank account, a car, uh, you know, kind of house that you have. Well, that's how wealth was measured. Then Abram was blessed materially. He had a lot of wealth. He had a lot of stuff. And it said that he went back on his journey to back to Bethel. Bethel means house of God to the place where his tent had been in the beginning between Bethel and Ai, look at verse four, to the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. This, this is what you need to understand. Abram has had a delay. God spoke to him a long time ago. Abram has wasted some years. He spent some time in Egypt um, over there lying, talking about his wife was his sister because she was so fine. He didn't want them to beat him up and take her. And so, you know, he has been through some things and now he finally goes back. Go back to Bethel. Go back to the house of God. He's back to the place where he had made the altar. He went back to the place where he could seek the Lord. That's a good thing because now everything's going to get ready to move forward from here. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here at church today for the first time in a long time. Praise God that you're here today. And would you keep coming back? And would you keep letting the Lord sow into your life and pour into your life? And and don't just come Sunday, come to all the stuff they do during the week and let the Lord just rejuvenate you, refresh you in him, right? But he's back where he needs to be. He's back in that place where he can meet with the Lord. Now you and I, we don't live under this covenant. We don't have to have an altar, but do you have a time and a place where you meet with the Lord on a regular basis? Is that a priority in your life? Do you make time to be with the Lord? Because you can't find time to be with God. You gotta make time to be with, you gotta take it from somebody else. You got to take time from wherever you got to take it from. It'll be worth it. You take time every day. You make sure that you're having time for prayer and time to be in the word of God, that you're communing with the living God. Amen? And if you're not doing that, could I encourage you today that you make that a priority? If you, that, that's your homework this week. Let me get back to Bethel in my life. Let me get back into a place where in the rhythm of my life, I'm, I'm spending time with Jesus because I need to be with him. I'm not seeking Jesus for a thing I just need to be with Jesus. I need to be in the word and be in prayer. Can I encourage you to do that this week? And then look at verse five now. It says, Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them for they might, that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. And so here we have it, you know, as God is guiding us, sometimes God will use circumstances and pressure and tense situations to get us to get back where we need to be. For Abram, that's the case, right? God is using this situation. The land is not enough to support Abram and Lot and all their animals. And this is gonna create a little bit of tension for these guys to finally separate. And so maybe in your life, and I'm not, I'm not saying that every time there's tension, it's time for somebody to go, but sometimes the Lord is using those tense situations to make you pray, to make you look to him, to make you say, God, what's going on here? Why is this all of a sudden like this? You know, when we were, for a while, before we had a building for our church, we were renting schools and we were renting another church for our midweek. And the church we were renting for the midweek and all that, it was going great for like three years. It was no problems. Me and the pastor was cool. We used it all the time. They didn't have much going on. And then all of a sudden, at the same time we were praying about this building, all of a sudden we started getting all kind of drama from the people at the church. I'm up preaching Wednesday Thursday night, midweek, and I'm, I'm preaching. And then the lady lets her kid on the stage behind me. And he's just up there hitting the cymbals. He ain't even playing them good. He's just making noise on the drums and the cymbals. And I'm looking back like, you gotta be kidding me. You don't know see me up here preaching and people out there looking like, well, that's not my kid. You know, they, they, they wondering who, who bad kid is that? You know, and so I remember, you know, that was the first thing and it, you know, four or five other things happened. And right about the time when it was like, I'm about to get frustrated with these folks. The Lord said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm allowing this. It's time to go. And I, it was so clear that it was time to go that it was like, without a fight, without any argument, went and hugged up with the pastor. We prayed, thanked him for the time there, ended that season. And it was just months later that God provided a building for us. But that tension was two things. God was like, you need to get out of this because you need that money. You need to start saving that money. You're gonna need all of it. And we did. And, uh, And that was God used that tension to say, it's time to go. He does that sometimes just to move us along, to get us back seeking him. And so this tension here, this strife between their herdsmen, uh, they're going to separate. Don't miss at the end of verse seven. It says the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. These are the enemies of the people of God. These are not Israelites. They are not believers. And it's going to become very important how Abram and Lot, because they're both believers, how do they deal with conflict in front of non-believers? And I want you to pay attention to how Abram handles this, and I want you to consider as believers how we need to be really careful about beefing with one another or having strife or arguments or debates in front of people that don't even know Jesus yet. Uh, Sometimes I'm ashamed when I look at social media, I look at Christians are on there going back and forth over stuff. And I'm like, you guys realize that the majority of people reading this, they don't even know the Lord. What a bad invitation that is. Why would they come to this? You know, why would they, that wouldn't be a real good outreach to them. And so look at what Abram does in verse eight. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. It's not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And so Abram is the uncle. Abram is the superior. And what he does is a really big thing. He could have just said, Lot, kick rock, bro. You got to go. Get your animals. This is my land. You got to go. You know. But Abram says, hey, look, man, Lot, I love you, paraphrasing. He says, man, you, you look. You pick, for, you pick where you want to go. I'll go the other way. We're brethren. We're not going to fight. We're going to be okay. That's the mature thing to do. Pay attention that Abram doesn't abuse his authority. He doesn't use his authority to get his own way or to try to make things work out best for him. Abram's trusting God for the outcome for him. So he says, Lot, man, let's just, let's just do this peaceably best we can. And so for you that are here and God has blessed you to be in a position of authority, how you exercise your authority over other people says a lot about who you are, right? It says a lot about Abram here. This is, not, this is a man that's secure in what God's going to do for him. You pick whatever you want, buddy. I, I know I'm gonna be okay, right? This isn't the guy that's like, I gotta make it for myself. I gotta take care of number one. He says, you do whatever you want. I know God's got me. Um, that's where we wanna be as believers. Um, you don't wanna get the things that you get by stepping on top of other people, You don't want to you don't want to abuse your authority to get something, because if you get it like that, Bible says you reap what you sow. And one day somebody's coming back for your neck and you're going to be living. You're going to be living real insecure, waiting on them to come. And so better if you be loving and gracious so that you can reap that in the the future. Amen. Amen. All right. So moving on now, uh, look at verse 11. uh, Verse 10. Lot is going to be to you and me an example of how not to be guided, how not to make decisions. Um, We're looking at, you know, being guided by the Lord. This is how not to do it. Verse 10 says, Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw the plain of Jordan. It was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt when you go down to Zoar. And it says, then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated from each other. So this is how Lot makes decisions. This is how you're not to do it. Lot looked with his eyes. He saw the plain of Jordan, which, which borders Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, man, it's green, it's lush. My animals will eat good there. I, I'll do good right there. That looks good to me. That's where I'm gonna go. And he says he went and he pitched his tent down there. Now, what's wrong with that, right? Somebody sitting there saying, what's wrong with that? I mean, he made the best decision, didn't he? You know, uh, God gave us common sense, didn't he? Right? Well, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that you trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And then he promises he will direct your path, right? We're not to look with our eyes. And people do this, um, a lot of times this is what people do. They make their best decision and forget that you had access to the living God. Right, you're a believer. You could pray. You, you can speak to God who knows everything, can do anything, is available 24-7 and he loves you. You could have asked him and you didn't. You forewent, you, you, you foregoed or forewent, I don't know, that's, I'm not saying that right, but my wife gonna get me. Foregoed? y'all know what I'm trying to say. You you for you forewent that or whatever, but you didn't take advantage of that, and now you just made your best decision. And I'll talk to my single friends for just a minute. If you're single, will you raise your hand real quick? Raise them high. Look around, look around. Real quick. All right, that's it. Okay, so if you're single, right, that's how guys get in trouble. Right, guys will look at a girl, and guys look with their eyes. Guys are visual, and they'll be like, "Oh wow, that's, that's my wife. That looks like a wife right there." You don't even know if she know, You don't know if she can say Jesus. If she know John three sixteen, you don't know nothing about her character. That just that looks like a wife right there. That's, and that's a problem, right? That's how some guys, some ladies, they'll see a guy, nice guy. His job, car, he looks very secure. He looks like security. He looks like a husband. That's Mr. Security, right? Once again, um, you could be looking at your eyes and he may have a great job and he may have five females on the side. You know, you'd be be bachelorette number six, you know, coming to join the ranks. And so we don't want to be looking with our eyes, right? You might see with your eyes first, but then you need to talk to the Father, amen? That he would direct your step, that you wouldn't be out here making missteps And mishaps with your life because you only get one of them. And every day you waste is gone. Every year you waste is gone. You can't get a minute back. And the Bible says we're to redeem the time, buy up these opportunities, not waste it. And so, one way we make sure we don't waste our time, waste our life, is that we seek the Lord. Now, I got to do this real fast. Here's all the things that go wrong for Lot, having made this decision. Lot looks with his eyes, chooses the plain of Jordan, he goes down there. If you go to the next chapter, we're not going to do that. He's there for one year. In the first year, uh, uh, enemies come in and they raid him and they jack Lot. They jack the possessions. They take him away and all this stuff. And Abraham has to put together a posse and go back and deliver Lot. That's year number one for Lot. It gets worse from there. He's in Sodom and Gomorrah. Y'all know that it's nasty and filthy over there. Peter tells us that righteous Lot was vexed. He was grieved at the behavior and the lifestyle and the things that were going on in Sodom, yet he stayed. His kids were there. His wife was there. He became a a part of the governing, you know, uh, government. He was, you know, part of the people that were at the gate making decisions and whatnot. He lost authority in the eyes of his family when he spoke to his daughter's husbands-to-be and said, then the Lord is coming back. We got to get out of here. They laughed at him like he was joking. He had no authority. He couldn't speak with authority to them. When it was time for him to go, this is how bad it was. When it was time for Lot to leave Sodom, an angel showed up and said, Lot, God is about to smoke this place. Let's go, right? If an angel showed up at my house and said, Bill, God is about to burn this place. Let, get your wife and kids and let's go. I, I try to grab the dog if I can, but we, we out, we gone, you know? It says he lingered and the angel had to grab him and take him. What's wrong with you? You know, why are you lingering? God about to smoke the place. But then his wife, there was something back there that she was liking a lot. And it says that she looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt and he lost his wife. It gets worse. They get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. God smokes the whole place. His wife is a pillar of salt. You know, he was kind of salty about that. But uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So his daughters, they think God has destroyed the whole world. He just destroyed Solomon and Gomorrah. And so they say, oh no, now we're never gonna have husbands and get married and have babies. And so they get their own dad drunk and have incest with their own father and make children. Now, the, what's the sweet thing about getting old? It's grandkids. Well, now, that's not even gonna be sweet for a lot. Your grandkids are a fruit of an incestuous relationship with your own children who got you drunk. And I just want you to know that one bad mistake just went bad, 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 bad. And so these things are written for your admonition and learning so you wouldn't do the same thing. Amen? So now let's look at how it goes for Abram. So that's what Lot did. Look at verse 12. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and he pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And we know that. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, you need to note that in your Bible, When did God speak to Abram again? After Lot had separated. He spoke to him before to get out. He hadn't spoken to him since. But now after Lot moved on, God said, okay, now about time. Now we can get back to what we're doing with you. And just understand that look at that delay that happened. Because his delayed obedience created a delay in what God was going to do for him. Now, we can be thankful that God is gracious and merciful. Because if I was God, I might just say, you took too long. I'm not doing it to you no more. But... (laughs) You see that God is merciful and gracious. The gifts and callings are irrevocable. And you may be sitting in a chair today and you've been blowing years, but maybe today you would turn your heart back to the Lord. I'm telling you, the Lord will take you today and start a new and a fresh work in your life. God's not done with us. We, we get done with him. He's not done with you. And whatever he intends to do in you and with you and through you, the day you turn back to him with, a, with, a, with, a, with, your, with your whole heart, God will begin to work in you a new and a fresh for his glory, amen? And so it says, after Lot is separated, the Lord said to him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. God said, Abram, twirl around, you know, look in every direction and everything that you see, I'm giving you all that. I'm not just giving it to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants after you forever and ever. And I want you to understand the security that this would bring to Abram right? Because if God gives you something, who can take it from you? Nobody. And if God gives you something that says, it's not just for you, Bill, it's for you and your wife and your kids and your kids, 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 kids kids," forever. That means this this is always going to be in the family. Nobody can take it away. God said so, right? I want you to imagine the security that he would walk in to the land that God gave him, knowing that God said it's for me forever, never going to be taken away. I'm secure in this. And so he would walk forward with total confidence Look at this next promise in verse 16. God said, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, gang of babies, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length, its width, for I give it to you. These are all the promises that God made to Abram. And this is what I I hope we get today. We're talking about being guided by the Lord. And what is God trying to guide Abram into? A blessing, right? God's not trying to hurt you. Some people think if I follow God, he's gonna ruin my life. It's gonna be all messed up because you don't understand the goodness of God. You don't understand how good God is because God is so good that even when bad things happen, bad things are working out for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That for the believer, it's always good eventually. Even when bad things happen, I'm a believer and bad things happen to me, but because God promised that all things work together for the good, that bad thing has to flip for good eventually. I just keep walking with the Lord. Just keep going forward and eventually that thing that looks so bad there will turn over for the good and you'll glorify God in it. Amen? Amen. I'm going to just give you a quick testimony because I feel led to do so. I told you about my son with autism. And for my wife and I, that rocked our world. We were, we were just several years in the marriage. That was our second kid, um, first son. World was rocked. My wife left her career. She had gone to school, got her master's and all this stuff. All that was put on hold or put, pretty much he laid it down and came home and just said, I'm going to minister to my son. And we didn't know what we were doing. And we're saying, God, why did this happen to us? You know, I prayed for my kids, healthy baby, 10 fingers, 10 toes, you know, why? why? What did we do? And I remember praying one night at his bed, crying, saying, God, what did we do? What did, did we do something wrong? I believe you can heal. I'm praying for healing. You haven't healed him yet. Like, why did this happen to us? And I prayed. I went to bed that night. I woke up the next day and I was doing devotionally the book of John. The next morning I woke up, I was in John nine. And in John nine, it said this, there were men arguing in John nine about why this guy was born blind. And it just caught me. I'm like, that's what I was just saying. How come this happened? How come he was born this way? And Jesus said this, he was not born blind. Nobody sinned that he was born blind. It's not a punishment, but that the works of God to be revealed in him. And so with my son, I I took that as a word from the Lord. God says, it's not a punishment. This is not retribution for some sin it's the work of God is going to be revealed in him. And I can tell you that that one son who's autistic is 18 and he's responsible for more people coming to Christ than all three of my other kids that are normal, that uh, he's taken us. Amen. He's had us at Johnny and Friends camp, ministering the gospel to all kinds of families with kids with disabilities He's had us ministering to his in-home support teachers. We've seen a bunch of them get saved and on and on and on. And he just silently, you know, and sometimes he'll just say something at the right time and the Lord just using his life. And God is like, I, my plan for him is better than what you had planned for him. And so somebody need to hear that. So I shared that. I didn't share that in any other service. Let's close. Verse 18, it says, then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre. Mamre means satisfaction or fatness which are in Hebron, which means communion. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And I want you to note this. As Abram got back to Bethel, he, he went back to the altar. As, he, as soon as he got to this new place, he built the altar. Now, look, check this out. He's living in a tent, but he built God an altar. He's like, I'm not worried about where I live right now. I'm making sure that I got a place to meet with the Lord because that is the priority of my life. And as you're looking at a man that's being guided by God and we look at him as the father of the faith and God's not done, God's really just getting started in Abram who becomes Abraham's life. But I want you to note that pattern. That man made time to seek the Lord. He made seeking God a priority. And in a time when you needed an altar, well, he built the altar. He built the altar before he built himself a house. He traveled and you know, tabernacled and tented, but he made sure wherever he went, there was a permanent place for him to go meet with the Lord. And as we close this today, I wanna encourage all the believers here that the Lord loves you. Y'all know he loves you? He loves you so much he died on the cross, right? He took your sin, your shame, your guilt, your separation. He took all that off of you and he paid the full price and he sets you free, forgiven of your sins, eternal life, the hope of heaven. And God wants to work in you and through you for his glory right now. And in order for him to have his full way, we gotta be people that are guided by him day by day, that we're obeying what he tells us to do. And so as we get ready to pray, if you're here and you're a believer and you know you've held back in areas, maybe there's disobedience, things that are hindering God from having his full way in your life, I'm gonna pray for you. And I'm a, I hope that you will lay those things down today and just say, God, here. Because I just, can, what, what, what if a room this size of people were just totally devoted to the Lord? What if we were all completely obedient to God? What would he do through a group this size of people that were just completely sold out to him? Can you imagine that? You flip this. You will flip South Bay over, right side up, you know? I mean, it just, it, it'll be tore up in a good way, amen? And then if there's anybody here that you've listened to this and you don't know that you're going to heaven, you've never really given your life to the Lord, he'll take you today. If you'll surrender your life to him, if you'll acknowledge today that you're a sinner, but he's a savior. He died on the cross in your place. He rose from the grave and there's no other way for you to be saved unless you come to him. If you will do that today, he will forgive you, save you, and you will become his child. And so would you guys bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for just the amazing love that you have for us. Thank you, God, for the example of, of Abram and just how you guided him and how you, your intention was to bless him, Lord, to do him good. God, I pray for everybody in this room. You know each person. You know what our needs are. God, I pray you would move among us by your spirit at this time. God, I pray for the believers that are here that they just need to get right with you. They need to lay the things down that are hindering them, God. They need to lay, uh, it may be relationships, it could be things, Lord. God, I pray you would move upon their hearts. That God, people will walk out of here today just completely devoted, uh, having repented and just surrendered all to you. God, I pray if there are any here today that for them today is a day of salvation. God, would you draw them to yourself or would you show them who you are? Or would you help them to see their need for you that they might surrender today? And so I'm going to ask right now, I want to pray and if you're here and, and you either need to come to Christ in the first place, just to be forgiven, to, to have a relationship with him, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, just acknowledging that, you know what, God is speaking to me, and I want to respond to the Lord today. I want to pray for you. And if there's any that are here that would say, I need to come back to the Lord, I, I believe in the Lord, but I've not been right. I need to get right today. Raise your hands. And I'm asking ask right now, wherever you are in the room, just raise your hand up, amen, all over the room. There, there's no shame, you guys, in coming to Jesus Are coming back to Jesus. The angels in heaven rejoice over this. There's no shame. There's shame in a lot of things. There's no shame in saying, Jesus, I want to be right with you. And so raise your hands up. Amen. We're gonna pray a prayer, just confessing Jesus to be the Lord, a prayer of surrender of our lives to Him. I'm gonna invite you guys to pray this out loud to the Lord. If you're here as believers, pray it with the people around you. We're gonna pray this out loud to the Lord, you guys. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Thank you that he rose from the grave and conquered sin, death, and Satan for me. Jesus, I confess you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender all that I am to you. I ask that you would strengthen me where I'm weak. And help me to walk with you from this day on. In Jesus' name, amen.